Welcome to the For Love and Money podcast, the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change. Here's your host, Carolyn Butler-Madden. Welcome to episode 25 of the For Love and Money podcast. So for regular listeners of this podcast, you may remember an earlier episode where I read a chapter from my book, For Love and Money, How to Profit with Purpose and Grow a Business with Love. Actually, this podcast was a spin-off of that book. So we had some great feedback on that episode, episode 14, and we thought we'd try and do it again. So I've selected a chapter this time that covers a subject I speak about a lot. It is also the starting point for any work we do with clients when helping them uncover the higher purpose of their business. We don't actually start with why. So much as I love and respect the work of Simon Sinek, and much as I value his approach to purpose, especially using the golden circle, today, understanding your unique organizational identity, no matter the size of your organization, Understanding that unique organisational identity is essential to finding your way to a meaningful why, a social purpose. This is why we start with who, and we'll go into that in more depth in this episode. Acknowledgement to Seth Godin, whose phrase, people like us, I use to describe this part of the process, and it is also the title of the chapter. People Like Us is such a perfect way to frame the part of our who that really matters when it comes to building a purpose-led brand and business. I hope you enjoy the reading of this chapter. If you do and you'd like to buy the book, it is available at all the major online bookstores, um, Amazon, Booktopia, Book Depository, um, also available at some selected retail bookstores in Australia. Check out the show notes um, for links to where you can buy it. Hope you enjoy it. For Love and Money, How to Profit with Purpose and Grow a Business with Love by Carolyn Butler-Madden. Chapter 36, People Like Us. Quote, Who are we but the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and believe? Scott Turo. My daughter is a warrior. No, really. She's a ninja warrior. We have watched the Ninja Warrior series together since she was around 10, and she was immersed from the start. First, we watched the Japanese series, then the American series. She loved watching the contestants physically and mentally challenging themselves, and the Ninja Warrior course looked to her like a giant playground to test your skills, agility, and strength. Some kids want to become a famous movie star or singer, Mine wanted to become a ninja warrior. At about age 12, she announced that she was indeed going to be a ninja warrior one day. Then, when Australian ninja warriors started, she was beside herself with excitement. At age 18, she decided to try out for it. She wasn't a gymnast, a rock climber or an acrobat. All she had going for her was her fitness. Years of playing basketball at representative level had ensured she was physically fit reasonably agile and mentally disciplined. For about eight months, she trained and trained and trained. Her commitment and discipline were amazing. She didn't join any of those Ninja Warrior gyms. She just trained at home and wherever she could find places to hang, swing, flip and do pull-ups. 
She went through the trials and to everyone's surprise, not least her own, she got through. Those trials were tough. I went with her and watched some of the fittest looking people fall away early. The event was held in Melbourne. We went, we saw, we didn't conquer. I say we, but of course it wasn't us. It was her effort all the way. We were just on the emotional trip with her. When she finally got her run at about 2am on a freezing Melbourne night, she fell in the water at the end of the first section. She was devastated. Even though she kept telling us she didn't expect to get far, in her mind she had expected better of herself. Think about it. In order to commit herself as she did to the level of training and nutrition discipline over the period of time she did, at an age where her friends were out partying, she'd had to tell herself stories of who she believed she was. She believed she was capable of tackling the Ninja Warrior course. Maybe not of winning or completing the course, but overcoming enough of the obstacles to feel satisfied and proud of herself. And because of that belief, she achieved her dream to run the course. To me, that made her a warrior. I was so proud of her. She turned up at an age where most would not even try. She knew she didn't have enough skills to complete the course. She knew she'd fall. She didn't know where on the course that would be. She knew she might have to face disappointment, which she did. But the simple fact was that despite all of that, she showed up anyway. That is the power of the stories we tell ourselves. From the age of 12, she told herself that she could be a ninja warrior. And she did it. The stories we tell ourselves. The stories we tell ourselves define who we are. They can enable us to punch above our weight, to be ambitious, to be daring. They can hold us back and keep us playing in the safe zone. We are absolutely the culmination of all of our stories, some public, some private. This narrative that we have of ourselves shapes our own view of ourselves and our place in the world, how we live our lives, the cars we drive, the suburbs we live in, and the careers we choose. It shapes the challenges we choose to accept and the people we choose to be friends with and associate with. It even shapes the people we choose to judge and categorize as not people like us. One of my favorite authors and influencers, Seth Godin, refers to this as people like us do things like this. He talks to the idea that our actions are primarily driven by one question. Do people like me do things like this? For example, people like me eat in restaurants like this. People like me wear clothes like this. People like me read these publications. People like me stand up for older people on public transport. People like me drive a nice car. People like me take public transport instead of driving a flashy car, and so on. Even an outlier, he says, aligns with the behavior of outliers. He relates this idea to marketing. He says it's important to define your people like us because to do otherwise leads to compromise. It leads to trying to exclude no one and appeal to everyone, which eventuates in becoming vanilla and lacking strong appeal to anyone. 
people like us believe things like this. In the Age of Purpose, I extend Seth Godin's idea of people like us do things like this to people like us believe things like this. This zeroes in on the beliefs, narratives or worldviews that each of us holds to be true, that we identify with, that we care enough about to show up for. Like Godin, I believe the days of mass marketing are over. In an age where power is in the customer's hands, we have to be clear on who we serve, not just through demographics and needs, but through their narrative, the very thing that shapes their identity. This is especially true for businesses that want to serve a higher purpose. Enjoying the podcast? If you're looking for more inspiration, head to our website, thecauseeffects.com.au for more resources on how you can start using your business as a force for good. Or buy the For Love and Money book. Every copy sold allows us to protect one square metre of rainforest. Help us save 10,000 square metres by 2025. Most businesses don't need millions of customers. That's the road to mass marketing. Follow that road and you'll find the path littered with signs shouting discount, sales, freebies and two-for-one offers. Most businesses, whether B2B or B2C, would prefer to have quality, loyal customers who are willing to pay a premium for their product or service and who will be their greatest advocates and promoters because they believe in what the business stands for and want to be a part of the change. Imagine that. Customers who love your business or brand, who talk about how great you are and who attract more customers just like them. These are people who are ready to join your endeavours to create positive change. This idea, though, is not just relevant to marketing. It actually starts with your own people, your employees. It then extends to all of your key stakeholders, your customers, your investors, your partners and collaborators and your suppliers. People like us believe things like this is a powerful rallying call to people who share a common belief. It is also important to understand that your target is not your market. Just because you target one group very clearly does not mean that you don't appeal outside of that group. Think about it this way. When you have clarity of purpose and are clear on who are your people like us, then you will have a core group of advocates who love what you stand for. Think of them as your heartland. They are your fellow changemakers who are part of your movement of change. They're your most loyal customers, employees and stakeholders. Beyond this group is another group that I call your supporters. They agree with what you stand for, not as passionately as your people like us, but it still resonates with them. They want to support you and will do so whenever it suits them. Further out are your appreciators. These are people who aren't emotionally invested in your cause or movement, but they respect and appreciate you for caring enough about something to make a stand. They will be your occasional customers or clients. As employees, they will show up. Just don't expect the kind of commitment you get with those who are invested in your organization's purpose. This idea gives context to the growing success of purposeful brands. Businesses and brands that stand for something so clearly are a beacon to their people like us. They attract them and in doing so, they can create and scale movements for change. Defining your people like us. 
Let's look at some of the businesses we learned about in part one of this book. Patagonia's people like us care deeply about our natural environment. They are surfers, hikers, climbers, bushwalkers and outdoor enthusiasts who live and breathe the outdoors. Future Supers people like us are climate change warriors and activists and people who genuinely care about a sustainable future. They believe in doing what's right over what's profitable or easy in the short term. Dave's Killer Bread's people like us believe in second chances. They either want a second chance for themselves or they believe that others deserve a second chance. Beaumont People's people like us believe in the value of meaningful work. They don't want to just show up for a job and be paid. They want the work they do to be meaningful. They are looking for leadership and a culture that suits their personality and needs and they're looking for purpose in their work. Bloom's The Chemist's people like us believe that everyone has the right to good health and well-being. They genuinely care about people and believe in the power of people to create change in their lives and communities. My own business is also a good example. The cause affects people like us believe in a future where business is a force for good. They understand, whether intuitively or rationally, that business has a bigger game to play and they want to play it. They want to use their business or their role in business to make things better. Importantly, they understand that by making things better, they will drive the success of their business, profit through purpose. Does this sound like you? Given you're reading this book, unless you've been forced to do it by someone else, there's a pretty good chance that you are our people like us. We live in a time where there is a clear need for transformation of how we conduct business, how we consume, how we treat others and how we treat our natural environment. People have no choice but to respond to this both consciously and subconsciously. Brands that align themselves with a movement for change are attracting their people like us, those people who share their worldview. Imagine building and growing a business with a team of people who believe in the shared, powerful idea of change that you are in business to create. Equally, in the face of clear societal need, brands that continue with business as usual driven by profit as their energizing force are also attracting their people like us. Every business has a choice. The more passionately your people like us believe, the more opportunity your brand has in generating emotional investment and loyalty from customers, employees, partners, investors, and suppliers. This goes back to emotional investment value, which we covered in chapter 24. When business learns to actively tap into this, that's when we'll be able to unlock the true, full potential of business and people. So, do you know who your people like us are? Thanks for listening to this episode of the For Love and Money podcast. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the purpose movement, visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au. And remember, doing good is good for business. So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing?